Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds, the place where we come together, we kick it around, and we delve, you like me dropping the D word, delve into the world of rugby league, Aussie rules football, and anything that matters in this world. We know right now, Shedheads, this world is a very complex and and crazy place. Uh, If you're living in Bali, congratulations. But unfortunately, most of us don't live in Bali. We only get to fly there to visit, to kind of relax and to, to get out and feel the sand between our toes and all that stuff, right? But it's a it's a scary world, and it's a scary world. Uh, I live not too far from a place that had immense tragedy um, yesterday, but I think the problem is that little place where immense tragedy happened yesterday is only a microcosm of all the other tragedies that have been going around uh, this country, uh, the divided states as I call it. And I think we see why I call it the divided states. Uh, and this is just coming off the cuff, shedheads, is that people can't agree on things, and no one can agree on safety and safety for our children, and 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 if children should be born, all that type of stuff. And and uh, it's very very confusing. Uh, I don't think this is inventing something new. I don't think this is inventing the wheel. Uh, I know people that love gun porn and love guns more than anything. We'll always say it's 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 man, it's man, it's man, and and I always say, well, if that's the case, then let's just give everybody a musket and be done with it, okay? Give it. I'll ask you any, one last thing before we get into the important stuff, and that's the, why we come to this show. If everybody had a musket that took you twelve seconds to reload, I wonder will we have the same type of mass shootings? So I think we should just give everybody a musket, and then everyone can still scream for their Second Amendment rights because they have their. Their, their musket, which was the arms of choice when the Second Amendment was made. It wasn't made with with uh, with George Washington carrying a, an AR-15 or an AK-47 over his shoulder. It's a musket. So let's give everybody a musket, then everybody's happy, right? Because you can tackle and beat the shooter up with your musket that he tried to shoot you with. And we're all good and we're all happy. So there you go. There's your Shed Adamus with the prediction that would solve it all. Let's pull every gun and give everybody a musket back. And then we're all there to protect ourselves and everybody's happy. Now, you want me to talk about the important stuff, and that is AFL, NRL, let's go. Let's start off with the 40-20 Shedheads, and I got to tell you something. I think we're seeing a shift in the world of the NRL of where the strike and the danger might be coming from. What I mean by strike and danger is... To me, the most, the two most exciting teams in the competition right now are the Brisbane Broncos and the North Queensland Cowboys. They're they're my two favorite teams right now because of their their pace of the strike. They're always ready to throw the ball around and looking for a moment to always push it. Uh, their defense is sound, uh, and they're young. So there's an energy about these two teams. So we started off the entire round with the Broncos and the Knights. One team surging, one team trying to find a platform, trying to find a little bit of, uh, of a structure, a little bit of a foundation. Well, we see what happens. Even without Adam Reynolds, 
The Brisbane Broncos, 36, Knights, 12. And I think it all comes down for a new star that we're going to be talking about here very soon, Cabo. And that's not Cabo San Lucas either, for all you party nuts. Next, we have the Tigers and the Bulldogs. Another great story coming out of this match, which we're going to talk about later on. But Tigers 36, Bulldogs 22. Once again, the misery continuing continuing at the kennel. Belmore still up in arms, not having a coach. Mick Potter taking over. I think it's funny that the Tigers beat a Mick Potter-led club after his uh, departure back in the day. Eels 22, Seagulls 20. Again, to me, Manly was the better side the entire match. The Eels found a way to win like teams that usually are on the top half of the ladder do. But to me, it was officiating and ridiculous penalties that cost Manly. And I'm going to stand with a lot of the pundits that are saying we need to get rid of the bunker or at least take away 97% of its power. Have it there to make sure that a try was rewarded properly. Give the captains a chance to question it to do a captain's challenge in that regard, and be done with it. The pace of play is too slow. There's too many stopping and starting. And that was one of the beautiful parts about the game of rugby league was the flow. Being able to watch about 80 minutes of great contact, uh, incredible athletes, and be done with it. And that's not what we're getting right now. And the call on that out-of-bounds hit that, that, that drove... The, Eagle play, the Eels player out of contention was a straight-up great hit. And I don't know what they're looking at. It was not ruled as a bad tackle on the field until the bunker had to buzz down. And that is, to me, why the game is flawed right now, and it's kind of painful to watch. But Eels win 22-20. Dragons 24, Warriors 18. Uh, Lomax with a double. Uh, and, and I'm just going to tell you, Cody Ramsey looked very good in the fullback position. Now, he may weigh 113 pounds, uh, and his mom might have the mouth of a sailor, but I like both of them. And for some reason, Cody Ramsey, who a couple years ago uh, was the talk of the town after the the nines competition uh, in in Perth, but Cody Ramsey looks like he might have found his spot, and it was really good to see. But the Dragons taking out a, a Warriors club, um, that just to me looks like they have no direction. Cowboys 36, Storm 6. Uh, the Storm is struggling without the big two. Jerome Hughes, Ryan Pappenhausen. I think we're seeing how much of an effect those two players being out are just totally changing the chemistry for the Melbourne Storm. That being said, I don't know if the Melbourne Storm still win the match with with one of them back or even both of them back because the Cows right now are showing their pedigree. North Queensland is showing that they deserve a spot in the top four and if they continue to play this way are a real, real, real title contender this year. So, like I said, the changing the guard might be happening with these two clubs. Panthers 32, Brewsters 12, uh, Luai with two, uh, and again, uh, they just have something over the Chooks right now. They just have something over them. But the Panthers continue to show that they may be the cream of the top. Crop, excuse me, the cream of the crop in the competition. Raiders thirty-two, Rabbitohs twelve. To me, isn't it so funny? Just recently, we wrote off the Green Machine as being done. You know, there was talk if, if Sticky had outgrown his welcome 
uh, down in the nation's capital. You know, if if he just, you know, if it's just not working anymore. And 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 there was a lot of frustration from Ricky Stewart. And you know what? Sticky just held the course. And you know what he's what he's really smart about? And because he was a great player, he knows a room. And he's decided to let his players throw the ball around a little bit. And I'm going to tell you something. That's three on the trot for the green machine. And, and Jamal Fogarty is coming into the halves this weekend, which I'm really excited to see. But you better watch out, competition, because Canberra could be on the move. And then finally, Sharks 25, Titans 18. The Sharks debuting an Olympian. And they sprint away. Look, look at me how I did this. And they sprint away with the victory over the Titans. Um... There's been some rumblings, uh, and I don't know how much we should we, we should pay attention to them, but there has been some rumblings that uh, Paul Green may be in the crosshairs of the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, now, there's a lot of people that have shot that down, saying that Justin Holbrook is safe, and this is just crazy talk. But we know that Greeny is out there. We know that that he has got a proven winning track. You know, I'm saying he won the you know the the title in 2015 with North Queensland. So it's going to be interesting what happens. And there's been a lot of talk about how Justin Holbrook has managed this side and some of the moves that they've made. So um, that being said, on one side, that doesn't change the fact that the Sharks um, putting Nico Hines back in the halves continue to fire and get a big victory over the Titans. Now. As we go in, as we delve a little deeper into these stories, one of the beautiful things about sports is when we actually watch the transformation of a side from a bunch of young guys or a bunch of young girls, whatever you want to say, but a young team who you kind of start wondering if they're just ever going to get it, right? And you just wonder if it's just not a if it's just not going to work, right? But then all of a sudden, some of those teams it clicks. Like a switch. It happens that fast, it's a switch. Now, truthfully, we all know behind the scenes it's not happening that fast. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But that switch gets flipped, all right? And for a, while, for a lot of us, we sit there wondering, uh, okay, was that just, you know, they, they played a weaker team or they played a downtrodden team or what? That is the first time you question it. Then when they start getting some victories... And you kind of go, huh, maybe there's something here. But it always comes to a head that that, I guess, foreshadowing that that uh, that that sense of is this real comes when this team finally takes on a team that people think is a real for sure title contender or or dominant team. And we got to watch that this weekend. Yes, we knew that Pappenhausen was going to be out. And when we went to record this last week, it looked like Jerome Hughes was going to be back in the side for the Storm. Now, he got ruled out, but they still have Cameron Munster. They still have the hectic cheese. Uh, and, and you know, Nick Meany has, there, there's a lot of good players still, and they're still coached by Bellyache, right? They're still coached by Craig Bellamy. Now, here's my thing. When you finally see that side bust and kick open the door, there's something magical about it. It's magical because it's not a fairy tale. It becomes reality. 
And then when you see them rise to that occasion, there's something, if you love sports, there's just something great about it. And we watched that, we watched that this weekend. Because that demolition that the Cows put on the Storm, beating them by 30 points, is something last season would have been something we would have laughed at if we would have told people that next year, this, this, next year, this Cows team is going to be one of the dominant teams in the competition. People would have laughed you out. They would have probably tarred and feathered you and put you in a backward-fitting vest. That's how crazy it was. But that's not the case because after this victory now, the Cows have won six in a row, their longest streak since 2015 when they went on to win the competition. They're a team that, to me, is a perfect blend of veterans and youth. To me, the buy of the round, a lot of people talk about Nico Hines, love Nico, but to me, the buy of this season has been Chad Townsend. And a lot of people have made fun of that move, that, that Toddy Payton overpaid for him, North Queensland overpaid for him. You know, he's still Chad Townsend. You know, he's he, there's nothing flamboyant about Chad. Besides Chad flying out of the line and trying to decapitate Kalen uh, um, uh, Ponga last year, the, 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 the brain blow up. Besides that, that's the most, I don't know, off the wall Chad Townsend's ever really ever been in a uniform. But Chad Townsend's smart. Chad Townsend is, he's that guy that knows he's got some physical limitations, right? He can never be a Sean Johnson, Benji Marshall in the halves. But he can be an orchestrator. And he's a winner, all right? He got the lights turned on in Cronulla with that club. So he's added something back to that, a, vet, a voice. And I, I, think, I think when they said and they made Jason Tomalolo captain, it was because they wanted him to buy in. They wanted to bring out some leadership out of Jason, right? That's not something you have to do with Chad Townsend. To me, Chad Townsend is a natural leader. And I think you're seeing that because he is always, if you watch them when they go in the cuddle, in the huddle, cuddling, yes, cuddling in the huddle. How about that? They always seem to be listening to his voice. He's telling them what needs to happen, what to be looking forward to, what to be prepared for. He's always laying down the foundation and network and planning. And, and to me, if you listen to Chad's um, podcast, that's how his mind works. Uh, he, he's a brilliant player, and, and I really enjoy him because I love watching players that may not be able to run a 4-2-40, but are just winners. And Chad Townsend's a winner. And what you're seeing with, with North Queensland is they've adopted that. I'm saying his, 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 his partnership in, in the halves has been good. Um, and then you've got the youth. And, and, and I think when you've got players that are coming into their own, players that really seem to, it, it just kicks all the way. You got Val Holmes there. You know, you've got Tom Lolo. You got Kyle Felt. You have a lot of players. Drinkwater's playing great back at the fullback position. And don't forget that, you know, the hammer was back there at the start. Um, so they just have just all the right pieces and all the right ingredients to make this club what they are. But now, this is when it becomes real. When injuries start to take over a team. When, when key members go down. And you heard me just mention Kyle Felt and Jason Tomalolo. Well, both of those guys are going to be out. And we're going we're gonna to talk because I'm telling you, the, the, the Red Cross has not been good to the NRL this last week. But these guys are going to be out. Felt's going to be out for six weeks, I think. Uh, Jason Tomalolo is going to be out for a couple at least. 
And guess what happens? You get injured, you get some major injuries, and then you go up against a big club. And that is what's happening. Because the cows are going to be at the foot of the Blue Mountains playing against the reigning, defending. Okay, that was horrible. But the Ric Flair's of the competition. To be the man, to beat them, you have to beat the man. So we're going to see what this team has. They passed one test by taking it to the storm. But now they've got something else that they're going to have to show this weekend. And if they really, if they find a way to win this match, uh, the, the, the rugby league world will be on Queensland, Townsville, and Brisbane. So I've got to tell you something. I'm really excited for that match, and I think it's going to be something really, really special to see. Now, superstars. We talked about teams when it clicks in. Superstars, to me, is what makes up the game. Michael Jordan in the NBA. Wayne Gretzky in the NHL. Now Connor McDavid. Go Oilers. Right? Um, you know, I can't say his name right, but McPag, whatever. The guy that, that plays for Paris Saint-Germain. You guys aren't here to listen to me talk about, about soccer. But just superstars of the game, right? Well, when we see one of those guys come out or and 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 just show up on the natural state, uh, you know, scene like that. That is to me when you start going, oh. and it's a little bit like what we just saw and we were talking about about North Queensland. But we actually have one of those young all stars, these these young guns to me that could become just one of these players that we talk about for the next ten to fifteen to twenty years. And that guy, to me, is Selwyn Cabo of the Broncos. He fits the bill in all of that, right? He just, he, he's got brute strength. He's got speed. And a lot of people are comparing him to a young GI. And when anyone ever compa- compares you to a, to a young uh, Greg Inglis, you better take note of that player. Because the last player that was said that, that was going to be the next GI was Latrell Mitchell. Now, the problem for Luttrell, no matter how good of a player Luttrell is, and you can't use the word great yet, yet, there's a potential for him to be great. But he's a very, very good player, and maybe one of the reasons why South Sydney is not playing anywhere close to the way a lot of people thought they were going to play. But the problem for Luttrell is Luttrell always looks like he's heavy. He doesn't ever look like he's in the best possible shape. Um, he, he's getting injured quite a bit lately. And suspensions. You know, he, he broke his best friend's face, or one of his good friends. I'm, you know, none of us know who best friends are in this competition. But that kind of scuttled Latrell. That's kind of sidelined him from that that GI talk. But I don't think that we've got this problem with selling Cabo. And I and I gotta tell you something. For a club that last year, just like the Cows, was talked about, you know, are we gonna keep Kevy? Should we get rid of Kevy? All of a sudden now, the young players are now re-signing back with the Brisbane Broncos. Because they see something. Players, When players see something magical starting to happen, they're not jumping ship from that. Especially players who have been suffering with a team for the last two, three years. When they start feeling success, heck yeah, they're not leaving anything. Because they put in the tough times. They want this, they want, hey, they, they want that smoke, as people like to say, right? And I think what, we're, what you're feeling and what you're seeing, you know, Cabo, 
exploded this last weekend against the Knights. You know, two tries, 224 running meters, and that's just some of the stats for the young guy. He is special. And at, and, and all of this happens without the little general. Adam Reynolds is out. Tyson Gamble plays a great game in the Habs. And, I, and I've always been a fan of Gamble. You've heard me talk about this. If you've listened to this podcast, I've always been a fan of Tyson Gamble. But he stepped his game up because he knew that Reynolds wasn't there and that he had to be a voice. So I've got to tell you right now, Shedheads, I think the Broncos push for the four or to be in the top four all season. I think that North Queensland is going to be pushing and staying in the top four all season. I think this is going to be a year that is going to be remembered up in Queensland for a very, very long time. And one of the fun things about this is this isn't going to be a flash in the pan thing. These are two teams that are built to be there for a while. Uh, And I think that we're going to see some great footy because of it. Now, I told you about my favorite rounds, and one of the things I've loved about the NRL is that they do do the rounds, you know, special different rounds, you know. Uh, we've already had Anzac Day, which I told you my love for Anzac Day, but my other favorite round um, isn't State of Origin, love State of Origin, and I know it's more than one round, Shedheads, calm down, but I love Indigenous Round. Indigenous Round, to me, besides the colors of the jerseys and, and the history of why each club produces the jersey that they do and what indigenous players on those teams help contribute to the patterns and the designs of of those jerseys and what they represent besides all of that and that is a huge huge part too because it has your indigenous players buy into uh, the, the the vision of what the club is trying to portray awesome but I think the one thing that that the indigenous round does is it makes people look at other people's cultures and I and in this world, of the allegedly mankind, humans, being the smartest creature on the planet, I think we prove time and time again that we're far from the smartest creature on the planet. We might have the most resources at our fingertips. We might be able to destroy more things than any other creature on this planet. But it doesn't make us by by any means the smartest creature on this planet. But I think the best way that you can become something special, the best way you can become an all-around good person is to to not to not how should I say take a step back when it take when you have the opportunity to learn about someone else, and that someone else may not look like you. That someone else may be darker than you. They may be lighter than you. They might believe in a different faith than you do. But all of that does not mean they don't bleed red, and that they don't have feelings, and that they don't have aspirations and dreams and all of that stuff and I think that's so beautiful and and I know we're going to jump jump we're going to jump across the the code a little bit but I think that's why the name dream time at the G is so important for the Richmond Tigers because it's like a dream time right it's one of the it's one of my bucket lists of things to go see now I don't need all the fighting that happened at the MCG for it but again I think we have to remember why this round is so important. And I don't think we have to do it as a round, right? But it doesn't mean that just because one week we should be thinking about others and other type of communities and religions and beliefs and people. That should be year-round. And if you're not doing that, you might want to look in the mirror, okay? Because you should never hate anybody just because they look different than you. Hell, you should want to embrace that Uh, because you have to look at yourself all the time, right? Learn from somebody else. And one of the cool things about Indigenous Round is 
it educates just not players and people that might not look the same, but it also helps draw light to some of the players that might not know a lot about their indigenous heritage. And Nico Hines, to me, is the perfect example of a player that kind of picked that up. So Nico Hines, from Indigenous Round and from when he went up to All-Stars Camp, said it changed his life. He said, and he was almost embarrassed when he said it, he said, I, I didn't know a lot about my heritage. I did not know a lot about another side of me that's an important side of me. And if you can do that and you can educate people, because that's the problem that we're having. Everyone talks about mental health, mental health, mental health. But the best way to overcome mental health is for, uh, for people to stop looking on internet pages to see somebody else's life that they think is perfect, which isn't. And, oh, I'm going to like that. No, it's about learning about yourself and learning deeply about yourself and your, and, and, and your family and your faith and your friends and, and others. But, but most importantly, you can't go out there and be a better person to everybody else if you don't understand you. And so that's why Indigenous Round is so awesome and it brings to light a lot of things that I think as a society and as, 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 and as a people – we take advantage of and we don't really go to the best part of where we should be with that. So uh, Indigenous Round coming up, get ready for some beautiful, beautiful, great looking unis. Um, but make sure you pay attention to a lot of the words that are said this weekend, Shedheads, because it's very important. The AFL does it top notch. They did it last round. So hopefully the NRL can fire suit with that too. Now let's go on to the medical ward. Uh, I try to stay positive, but we yo-yo. We yo-yo just like we do in life. And I know I didn't mention it when I said the score, but the talk of the rugby league world has been turbo going down again. Tommy Travojevic, another injury, this time the shoulder, uh, and it's going to cost him the season. And after hamstring, after five different hamstring injuries and knees and shoulders and ankles, you don't want to say or, or, or you hope that, that this is not going to starting to become the swan song for Tommy T because of all of this. But there's only so much the body can take. You know, Benji Marshall had, I think, six reconstructive shoulder surgeries. He had a bunch, okay? Don't quote me on that. But he had a bunch. And if you talk to him, he said if he, had, if he got one more, that he was going to have to retire. You know, uh, I, I remember back in the day with the Tigers, back in like 2011, 2012, they had a player named Tim Molson, and Molson was like right on the cusp of going origin, and then all of a sudden he started getting injured, and he could never get right again. Um, so you can't take for granted the, 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 the livelihood that you have, especially if you're a player that is a star player, and that's why these two games, both both rugby league and AFL are both beautiful games, but everyone's one tackle away from maybe their career never being the same or maybe possibly being over. So this this is a huge setback, and I think Tommy Turbo's reaction shows you how how it's affecting him and how it affects a lot of people because Turbo is crushed, and he's usually a pretty mild-mannered guy. If you've seen Turbo, sometimes you want to put that that mirror underneath his nose to make sure he's breathing. I'm saying, unlike Jake, Tommy is very, very subdued, very, very relaxed dude, right? Unless he's doing a race on the Corso. But but he's taken the time. He's given up drinking during the season. Uh, he's really tried to change his body and, and himself to get himself best ready for his occupation. 
the thing he loves, rugby league. But this injury, again, was him just going all out and probably not even having to make the play he did on the ball when he did it. And it's going to cost him the season. It's going to cost him origin. And it's going to cost him the Rugby League World Cup. So I hope Tommy comes back uh, the best possible player that he can possibly be. But it really, really concerns you and makes you, um, if you're a friend of Tommy, if you are a a fan of Manly or of Rugby League, say a prayer his way because he's going to need it, I think. So, unfortunately, just for Turbo, there was a lot of red crosses this last round. Uh, you know, the story that I told you that was the feel-good story a couple weeks ago with Jared Croker coming back, the captain, as they call him, in Canberra. Well, again, he made his comeback match. He injures his shoulder. It looked like he was getting ready to come back this week again for the Raiders. And he re-injured his shoulder again in training. And now they don't know what, what is going to happen with this. Uh, he's going to have to go in for further scans to see, uh, is this something he can rehab or is he going to have to have shoulder surgery? And I'm going to tell you, Shedheads, I think if Jared Croker has to have shoulder surgery, this could be the last time we see him in a green machine uniform so let's hope for the best let's hope that he's not going to need surgery uh that he can rehab this and maybe be back uh later in the season to make a run for the raiders to get into the postseason uh again another team that just can't they just can't get out of their own way um and that is the warriors uh adding fanua blake will be out for an extended period of time with that foot injury they received last round um and I just don't think right now the Warriors can have much more bad luck. Um, and if you think about it, they'd really be in trouble if they wouldn't have got a couple Golden Point uh, last-minute kicks from Sean Johnson. So the Warriors could be on the ropes big time. Harry Grant, uh, abductor injury. Uh, and this just happened in the last day or so. This injury uh, that he said he got it during the captain's run. So it shouldn't have even been too much about it that he was doing to get this type of an injury. But an abductor is at least ruling out for this week. And I think we'll have to see how much longer. Adam Reynolds uh, looked like he was going to be, be possibly be that back this week. But he's got now a hamstring injury um, that's going to see him out at least another week. Uh, and we might have to keep our fingers crossed because we know hamstrings just don't go away overnight. Probably the most gruesome injury from the last round was the Bradman Best uh, elbow injury. Well, unfortunately, uh, more information has come out. It was a dislocation, which we saw, but there was ligament damage from that dislocated elbow, and that's going to cost Bradman Best four to six weeks. So again, a lot of the clubs that need their stars because they're not having the best of seasons are getting bad news. Uh, Kyle Felt. Jason Tomalolo, both MCL injuries, both as a result of some, I would say some shady tackling by the Hectic Cheese, uh, very low tackles, the back of the legs, which I hate more than anything, but they're both MCL injuries. Uh, the difference is the Kyle Felt injury is looking like it's a lot more serious, it's a tear, uh, and that's going to cost him at least six weeks on the sideline. Now, Tomalolo, they're saying that it's probably a two-week injury. Um, but a guy that big, I don't think we really know with that type of stability that the knee is going to need, how long he's going to be out, but they're hoping two weeks. And then finally, Chance Nickel Clockstad, um, the poor guy just can't seem to get a break. 
He's a, a yo-yo himself in in in, in fitness. Uh, he he's out of the side. He's back in the side. Uh, but he has a high grade tear of his hamstring, which is going to cost him six weeks on the sidelines. So, um, not great news uh, in the medical department of the NRL uh, after this last week of the competition. Now, I don't do this without, I don't talk about the negative without going positive because we yo yo here, okay, Shedheads? You know this. We go up and down the scale. That's what makes this show fun. But it also, I guess, is close the closest thing to reality we can do out here on Outside the Sheds. But in the positive note, I want to talk about a player by the name of Fianuma Brown, or as they call him, New Brown. And I've watched New Brown since he kind of came out on the spotlight. Uh, and I did a story a long, long time ago uh, that I actually wrote about New Brown and... Um, Look at this. I'm just I'm just drawing a blank. And Valentine Holmes. I just forgot Val. I can't believe that. Valentine Holmes. Because they both came into the Sharks around the same time. Uh, a lot of people were excited after the run those two, both of those players did down at the uh, Auckland Nines. Uh, New looked like he was going to be right there with Val. Val shot up the, the Richter scale and became the all-star that we think Val Holmes is now. Uh, the origin, state of origin player. But New didn't take that fast track. And then New got a, a foot injury that three years ago looked like it was going to cost him his career. Um, he had a horrible, horrible, horrible uh, loss uh, with the loss of his mother uh, that he chronicled very, very well. And if you haven't had a chance to see the story that he did, uh, if you don't want to cry, don't watch it. But I say if you're a person that has heart, and you want to see fight and compassion and love. Uh, it's one of the best stories I've seen for a long time about his relationship with his mother and what he went through with her uh, before he finally lost her. But it was really bad for New. I'm saying he he was taking video uh, for, for uh, what am I trying to say, for uh, home sales. Let's just say home sales. Uh, he was like recording and filming homes and stuff like that. So... Um, so it looked like he might have lost something that he loved, the career that he loved playing NRL or rugby league. And then all of a sudden he started to look around because he just kept getting reports, reports, reports about from specialists saying, you know, you need to retire, that this injury is not something you can come back from. But he ended up finding a doctor in Melbourne that did this, this type of surgery for the type of foot injury that he had on AFL players. And we know the explosion AFL players need to get up there and to, to contest marks. But he went down and had the surgery. And slowly but surely, he started working himself back into shape after a lot of rehab. And then he got a one-year gig with the Featherston Rovers over in the Super League. And he parlayed that into coming back home because, like I said, he didn't want to stay over in the UK. And he got a gig with the North Sydney Bears. Well, he played well with North Sydney. And then Madge McGuire, who... Don't forget is the Kiwis captain, excuse me, coach and captain. You can call him El Capitan, El Capitan. But uh, Madge brought him in for a training trial with the Tigers. And this week, New got on the field and showed the potential that I think he has to be possibly a hooker. And the great thing about New Brown is he can play a number of different positions. But he got two tries. And to me... Uh, the reaction when he walked to his his girlfriend um, that was waiting for him 
and the tears that he shed from his comeback game, I don't think it gets any better. And to me, it was to me of all the stuff we talked about, was the highlight of the round for me. Uh, seeing a guy that thought that he lost everything um, in, in 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 the sport that he loves, and to be able to come back from that, and to have the the luck and the success that he had. Uh, like I said, commence. I, I loved every minute of it, and I'm all about that type of story. So new. Uh, here's to you having another great being named in the side uh, on the bench this week for the Tigers. Hopefully you come in and show the game that I know you have. And 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 who knows? I'd love to see you be the nine for the foreseeable future for the Tigers. But I know Appy's coming in, but I think you've got a place of that team. Uh, so show them what you got new, and congratulations. So let's go into these picks for the Indigenous round. As you know, uh, Yoshida Damas, he broke even. He went 50% last week. And I'm going to tell you something. After some of the things that happened this last round, I have no idea how people gamble professionally on sports because you have no control over it. And it is, whoo, thank gosh we pick good sports. Thank gosh we we have great picks here. Your Shed Adamas excels in that usually. But we went 50% this week. So let's do a little bit better for Indigenous round. And I think I'm ready and I'm informed. Starting out tonight or this morning, whatever you want to say, Storm versus, I mean, excuse me, the Seagulls versus the Storm. I think the, I think the Seagulls will fight, but I think it's down in Melbourne, so I've got the Storm in that one. Friday, Cowboys versus the Panthers. I've got the Cows pulling the upset at the foot of the Blue Mountains. Even without Felt, even without Tomalolo, I'm taking Toddy Payton's boys. Cowboys get the victory. Titans versus the Broncos. Uh, the, the, the battle for Queensland. Uh... I've got the Broncos. I think even without Adam Reynolds that the Broncos are just playing some incredible footy. Saturday, Knights versus the Warriors. I don't know where the Warriors are. They are the biggest Sybil team I've ever seen, but I'm going to take the Knights over the Warriors. Tigers versus the Rabbitohs. I think the better team is the is South Sydney. Uh, they've got to show that. Uh, and I know there's the big the big coming against each other, Dane Laurie and, and Cody Walker uh, being re- relatives and, and how much that means for Dane Laurie. But I'm going to take the Rabbitohs over the Tigers. Roosters versus the Sharks. Chooks need a victory. Sharks playing the better footy. I'm taking the Sharks. And then finally for Saturday, Dragons versus the Bulldogs. You definitely, I don't know how anybody would say the Dogs. I got the Dragons. And then finishing out the round, Sunday, Eels versus the Raiders. I think the Green Machine pulls off the upset and beats the Eels. Now, as we switch gears and go into the AFL, we go into a little on the mark. Yoshad Adamas went six for nine there, so we're above 50%. We've been doing really, really well with our AFL picks this last, I'd say last three to four weeks, so we need to keep that going. But kicking off the round, we had the Blues against the Swans. And again, we're talking about all-stars on one side. There's all-stars on the other side because uh, Charlie kicked six. He kicked six against the Swannies uh, and getting the victory for Carlton, who continued to show that they're meant to be in this fight. But Blues 102, Swans 87. Then a match that I, you know, I should have seen this coming. Uh, the power was the hot team coming in, but the Cats... Take down the power, 82-47, to 47, uh, but a, a victory that could have some lasting implications for the Cats. Bulldogs, 106, Suns, 87. 
the doggies showed some real some real metal holding off a hard charging Suns, but they get the victory. Demons 100, Ruse 53. I can't believe we're even talking about that score, but the Demons win. Saints 90, Crows 69. Um, Max King shows the powers of the Saints as they, how should I say, fly over the top of the Adelaide Crows. Tigers 80, Bombers 48, Dreamtime at the G. Um, that's form the trot now for the Tigers. I'm telling you, you know who my pick was at the beginning of the season. I think Richmond's about ready to go on a bender, and they're about ready to go and really start to climb up this ladder. Giants 138, Eagles 86. Um, what better team can you ha- you play against than the West Coast Eagles if you need to get back on the win column and feel good about yourself? Congratulations, Giants. Perfect timing. Hawks 117, Lions 112. Uh, we're going to talk about this here a little bit farther down the line on 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 uh, on the mark, but I've got to tell you this right now: the Hawthorne Hawks defending the island, defending Tassie, and pulling off the upset of the round, one seventeen, one twelve. Magpies eighty, Dockers forty four. Um, you know, there's only one thing you can say: the pies sink the Dockers in the sog. How about that one, high shedheads? But uh, the pies. A club that sometimes, every time you think they're dead, every time you think that they're about ready to go under, they find a way to pull themselves to the top, which they do it again. Now, I was saying this earlier, and I want to, as we go, as we delve a little bit deeper, sometimes victories are more costly down the down the line, down the road, whatever you want to say, and you can only get your two points and so much joy and excitement after just one victory, unless it's a grand final, and you've you've got a lot of victories to lead up to that. But the victory for the Cats this week could be devastating because late in the fourth fourth quarter, uh, Patrick Dangerfield leaves the field with calf tightness. And, you know, Danger had been sick all week. He had he'd been under the weather. And you just worry because he just hasn't had that explosion all year. Danger just seems like he's just, he, he can't get out of eighth gear. He just can't get all the way up to 10. He's just kind of stuck. And this is a bad, bad result because it just comes out now that Chris Scott has pretty much shut down Patrick Dangerfield for the foreseeable future to help him rehab, to make sure that he gets back that explosion and so that he's ready for finals footy for the Cats. Now, here's the thing. There's no guarantee the Cats are going to be in finals footy. By every means, it looks like they're playing good enough footy to make it to the eight, and they're in the eight right now, but there's no guarantee they're going to stay there. So this is a big call by Chris Scott to rest danger like this, and, you know, I've hey, far from me to, to, to question Chris Scott, because I think he's one of the best coaches in the competition, but it's going to be dangerous, and the Cats are going to be losing one of their big, big guns, uh, a Brownlow medalist, and whenever you do that, you don't know what the future has in store for you. So definitely a story that we'll be watching for the foreseeable future until Danger Dangerfield comes back into the side. So congratulations for the victory, Cats, but how much will that victory cost you? Now, like I said, we continue yo-yo, yo-yo here on the show, but after only four, playing four games in the last two years, Charlie Curnow is back 
And that could be the understatement that I probably said this entire podcast because Charlie has been magnificent for the Blues. And if you think about this, pretty much everything has fallen in place for a side that for the last five years, it seemed like everything that could go wrong did. But Charlie kicked six goals again this weekend over a Swans team that was playing pretty darn good footy as well. He has kicked himself into the lead in the Coleman Medal competition, which, again, is something that you... Like I said, how Charlie's had to play the last two seasons, for him to be where he's at right now is is awesome. But I don't know if a lot of people actually saw that coming. But it has. And it looks like it's going to continue. Because the Blues now are sitting 8-2 and two and in third spot on the ladder. Um... And you'd have to say that finals footy and a flag all rest on the continued strike of the boot of Charlie Curnow. So, I, to me, I just I love I love feel good stories, and you see that I picked out two really big ones for both competitions. But one thing and one major difference is the Tigers are fighting at the bottom of the barrel, and Charlie's doing this for a, t- a team that really has a chance to to raise a flag this year. So. Congratulations, Charlie. I know the hard work you have to put in when you miss that amount of time. Uh, if you look at it, uh, that's the same thing that's happened to Clay Thompson. Lost two seasons uh, for injury. And to see these players, when they finally get back to feeling good about themselves and feeling strong, and when they start getting some su- some some success, they can feed off that. And I think that's what you're seeing from Charlie right now. So congratulations to the Blues and Charlie for, again, winning a huge game. And like I said, putting them right there for the flag. Now, I was a big, you know, I've never been the biggest Hawthorne Hawks fan. But I've always been a big fan of Alistair Clarkson. Because I think Clarko is one of those coaches that the moment was never too big. uh, And he just always seemed to get that into his players. But there's something about Hawthorne and their spiritual home of Tasmania to me that's really, really special. And Alistair Clarkson instilled in those players of Hawthorne how much and how important it was for them to play uh, the way they do when they get down to Tasmania and what Tasmania really, really means uh, to that club. And going down to this match that they did in Tasmania against maybe, the besides the Demons, probably the best informed side in the competition with the Brisbane Lions, a lot of people did not give... Hawthorne much of a chance to beat the Lions. I know your Shedadamas didn't because I picked the Lions. But that's why you play the matches. And in a match that to me was all strike, and you know I love the word strike, but it was all strike because, you know, both sides stayed within roughly six points the entire match of each other. It was a back and forth, which to me is just incredible footy to watch. But a player that I think has not really maybe, I don't know, lifted his game to where a lot of people thought that he had the potential to, but a player that I have always enjoyed watching play since he was even back at Port Adelaide in Chad Wingard. Chad Wingard holds Indigenous round, very, very important. He holds his Indigenous side and his and his, and his belief, um, and he wears it on his chest. And to see him step up in a major, major match like the one they just had, and kick three goals on the stage that he had a chance to do that on was something really, really special to see. And then they've got some young players because Hawthorne's a young club right now. 
And when you've got young guys like Jai Newcomb too, uh, and he's playing just some stellar, some stellar footy right now, you know, that victory has to give belief to Hawthorne that they have a chance to somehow fight their way and get into the eight. And I think if they do do that, they have a real chance to doing, they, they'll be the team that you don't want to face. And they'll be battle-hardened, and you know what a team is when they're young and they think they have house money. Uh, they'll run for days, and they can cause some real problems in this competition. So I, I said this last week when we were talking about how this from from four to eight is going to be, I think, just a straight-out street fight to see what four teams can get in, and I think the Hawks are right there. So uh, great job defending Tazzy Hawks. And like I said, I think you are a team to watch for sure on the radar. Now, again, we yo-yo back to a team that for some reason cannot get out of their own way. And I don't know if they will ever get out of their own way. And that team, I think you know, I'm either talking about the West Coast Eagles or I'm talking about the, the latter, and I'm talking about the latter. We're talking about the Ruse. North Melbourne, a club to me that I don't even know what to say about them. They they just they're you know they're one and nine. They look like that they have no belief. They look like a club when they go out there that they don't think they're going to win. Uh, they've got an embattled coach. Uh, David Nobles is under fire big time. Um, for some people say player mistreatment. He had an epic spray that a lot of guys have not I don't think recovered from fully, uh, and they still might have some anger and resentment for him for what he said and how he said it. But the thing that we did not see happening or coming is that their list manager, Glenn Luff, has resigned. And if you know the time of year it is in the AFL, this is not the time when you want your list manager to resign. Um, And the big thing is, and I don't even know how to even word this, but there's talk that he saw a show, and I don't really drop names too much here because you're on Outside the Sheds. But he allegedly saw an AFL show that criticized him, and that was the final straw. He said, I don't need this anymore, and he resigned for that. Now, if your list manager can't handle the scrutiny of, of some talking heads, what do you think your young club is going to do? What do you think that the chemistry and the feel inside that locker room, inside that shed is? If a list manager quits because somebody calls him out, I Listen, I don't know, but I will tell you this right now. The Ruse are in serious trouble. And the scary part about it is they're only halfway through the season and they're this bad. I don't know what the future is, but it's not looking bright for the Ruse. Uh, the only thing I can say is if you're a team that's playing them, maybe that's a for sure victory for you. But, uh, you know, they've got some passionate fans, the Ruse do. And, you know, I, I just hate to see... Um, teams that really don't give their fan base a lot to cheer about or a lot of hope. And unfortunately, it's a long road ahead for the Ruse. Now, as we go into our picks for round 11, uh, I feel strong about this shit, Eds. I got to tell you something. But I got to tell you about the blockbuster that kicks off Friday night footy. And that's the Tigers versus the Swans up in Sydney. The Swannies need a big time comeback. The Tigers are rolling, they're flowing, they're feeling it. Um, And I'm going to take the Tigers. I know Lynch is out, but I am going to take the Tigers 
to continue to roll on. Uh, it's going to be a hotly contested match, but I've got Richmond. Uh, Friday, we also have the Giants versus the Lions. I know the Lions got, excuse me, the Giants got a victory. They hadn't felt success for a long time, but I think the Lions come back in a bad, bad mood after their loss um, down to Tasmania. And I do think that this could be a, a brutal match when it's all said and done. I've got the Lions. Crows versus the Cats. The Crows have not had a great season. Uh, Tex Walker is now uh, in COVID protocol, however you want to say it. So I'm taking the Cats to get over the Crows. Saturday, Dockers versus the Demons. I think we'll continue. I know there was a lot of talk about the Dockers possibly being a top four side. Uh, but they've shown that there's some real holes there. And I'm going with the D's. Bulldogs versus the Eagles. I, you know what? Again, one of those matches you really say, do I have to pick this? But you do. I've got the Dogs. Hawks versus the Suns. This is one to me that's that made me pause more than anyone because you got a Hawks team that got a victory. So you should say they've got house money. But you got a Suns team that did play really, really well. They just didn't get the victory. It's in the Gold Coast. Or excuse me, the Northern Territory is not at the Gold Coast. But I think because of the normal heat that they get up at the Gold Coast, I'm taking the Suns to handle that uh, Northern Territory heat. Ruse versus the Saints. I'm just going to talk in for three minutes about this, about the Ruse Saints all day. Sunday, Blues versus the Pies. To me, possibly the match of the round, maybe right after the Tigers and the Swans. I've got the Blues coming on top of the Pies and continuing their, their push for the flag. And then Bombers versus the Power. I know that Port lost against the Cats, but they're back at Adelaide Oval. I think this Bombers side is a side to say if they're, that their trouble is the biggest understatement of the century. So I'm taking Port Adelaide in the victory there. And then as we finish up on the mark, we go right into the guns. Really excited about it. I about ran right out of on the mark to get to the guns. But it's kind of easy. Two of my three guns, I might have actually given you a little foreshadowing. Bit. All right, I did with all three of them. I did not play with house money this time. I, my poker face was showing. My number one gun, Selwyn Cabo, two tries, 224 running meters, three line breaks, nine tackle breaks, five tackles made. Uh, I got to go with him. I usually don't go back-to-back -back weeks to a lot of players. But Charlie Kernow again, six goals, one behind, 11 disposals, 10 kicks, one handball, six marks, two tackles, 233, 283 meters gain for Big Charlie as the Blues again show that they are exactly where they should be and that is circling the boat a la Jaws and Quint. And then finally, to me, the feel-good story of the entire, both competitions, Fayamanu Brown, Fayamanu Brown, as I call him, just New Brown. Two tack, excuse me, two tries, 22 running meters, two line breaks, Seven tackle breaks, 16 tackles made. New Brown, welcome back to the NRL and welcome to another great game. And here's to you coming off the bench and doing some more um, incredible work this weekend for the Tigers. Now, as we go to outside the bubble, you know we've got the Battle of Alberta going on. Looks like Edmonton's in charge there. Uh, the Warriors are probably going to close out the Mavericks, who can some reason uh, sprung a leak in their building last night. 
quite funny. Best part about it was watch, watching Mark Cuban's face as he gets embarrassed on national TV. That is that his building is leaking like the Titanic. Um, but to me, the story that's that's breaking right now is that Colin Kaepernick is going to get a workout with the Los Angeles, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders. Look at that! I wanted to call him the LA Raiders again. The Las Vegas Raiders. And I I really love to watch this story because I can't think of a better place for Colin Kaepernick to show up. Love for him to have gone to Seattle. I know he hasn't signed anywhere yet. But I think if he has a great showing that the Raiders sign him. Because the Raiders are pirates, right? They don't answer to anybody. They love that feeling of being their own team. And I think that Colin Kaepernick would be a perfect, perfect addition um, even if he just starts backing up. And I don't think you could have a better backup um, than Colin Kaepernick. And I think he has a chance to play himself into a starting position because I've seen his talent. I've watched Colin Kaepernick since he was back in Nevada. And so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that he that he shows out in this, in this tryout, this workout, whatever you want to say. But uh, here's to Colin Kaepernick uh, finding his place back where he should have never been, um, how should I say it? Uh, blackballed from or blacklisted from the NFL. And finally, my other story that I want to talk about, because I know and I think all of us know the NFL loves to cover things up to make sure that their owners continue to get paid and don't have to answer for anything. Ask Colin Kaepernick. But I think that John Gruden could be the guy that just, how should I say, lights fire to the whole organization and hopefully get some changes made. But the NFL had two two key motions today denied in court um, that were going to try pretty much get Gruden's case that he filed uh, for suing the league for suing the league for um, almost like a, a destruction of character and costing him his livelihood in a job of coaching. So it was awesome to see that that this judge threw out both of these motions. The NFL tried to get this case removed. Um, so it looks right now like we're going to be going to court for John Gruden, one. And then two, um, you know, let's hope this puts some fear in the NFL. Because they definitely need something to do with those guardians. I, You know, we'll just say the Washington football team. Because the Snyders, it doesn't get more much more corrupt than those people. So uh, congratulations, Coach Gruden. I hope that you get your day in court and get to show how the NFL tries to cover up more things than they try to let out. So that is my kind of brief outside the bubble because we had a lot to talk about today, Shedheads. But make sure you check out Indigenous Round. Try to remember what I talked to you guys about, about respecting others and learning about other cultures uh, and take in just the beautiful pageantry that you're about ready to see. Uh, But until next time, remember, look out for one another out there. And don't just forget when things are bad that things can get better, but there's got to be some major league movement to make change. So uh, until next week, Shedheads, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Bubble. I'm your Shed Adamus, Corey Jackson. Have a great weekend, Shedheads. Until next week, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 